Welcome aboard the Edge of AI podcast. Snap into your safety belt and prepare to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each episode is a dispatch featuring hyper-relevant reports from the pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, hear from experts building tech, and learn how this disruptive force is transforming industries and society. Hi, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, one of your Edge of AI captains. While we were on break between seasons, we had a chance to travel to Dubai for a future blockchain summit, and we encountered some very special pioneers in the world of AI. These interviews were all done live in the UAE. In today's show, we're diving deep into the dynamic relationship between creativity and AI. We'll hear insights from a futurist who not only is an award-winning music producer with a track record of working with global music icons, but also a visionary in the academic world. We'll also explore how AI is making its mark in the realm of blockchain technology with a leader at SingularityNet, the world's first decentralized AI network. Plus, stay tuned for a fascinating discussion of how AI is transforming the way early stage companies shape their ideas and adapt quickly, which will ultimately impact the relationship between emerging companies and venture capital, shifting the very nature of startup culture. Stay tuned for these thought-broken conversations on this special episode of Edge of AI podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of AI, live in Dubai with a new friend, Fernando Garibay. And it's, it's been fun to meet so many folks uh, here overseas that are also uh, frequently in L.A. So um, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Josh, for having me. And, you know, we're all here um, in Dubai to sort of um, move forward innovation, creativity, emerging technology. It's an exciting atmosphere over here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's very different from LA, for sure. Yeah. What What are your takeaways so far? I, you know, this area of Dubai has, has been the center for trade for for now, you know, centuries, right? So the spirit of trade is here, and it's so interesting that blockchain is finally here, right? AI is starting to come here. Mm -hmm. Gaming is here. So I, I'm I'm blown away by that. Well, um, I'm also blown away by you and your background, and, and um, what, this is sort of let's let's make this a sneak preview okay. of, of you coming on um, and doing a proper show for season two of, of Edge of AI. But just to give our listeners home a little bit of uh, Fernando's background, he's a music producer, he's a polymath, he's a creative theorist. He's been recognized um, for his Grammy and award-winning work with Lady Gaga, U2. I'm, I'm such a big U2 fan. Uh, Whitney Houston, Britney Spears, Shakira, Bruno Mars, uh, Kylie Minaj, Enrique Iglesias, Sting, Snoop Dogg, the list just goes on and on. Uh, he's also a lecturer at Harvard University, Harvard Business School, Harvard Medical School, MIT, Stanford, uh, California West Law School, and a contributor to the World Economic Forum. Um, he's chairman and founder of the Garibay Institute. So, um, not busy at all. No, not at all. Before we kind of get into um, what your thoughts are on creativity, I, I got to ask, you've worked with so many amazing um, artists um, who are also extremely creative beings. A lot of them do some of their own songwriting as well. Um, who would you say is like some of the most creative folks you've, you've worked with in, in your career? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. So the risk of not offending anyone, I'll start with defining creativity. The, the creativity is the ability 
for the brain to create, the ability for the human to create, right? Now, that's not a crude overassessment or a blanket um, answer, but it essentially points us in the right direction on how to think about creativity. It's so hard to answer, right? It's like the creativity and consciousness are up there, right? Yeah. So if we define uh, creativity as the ability to create, uh, then let's define what they're creating as a metric of success, right? So, so if they're creating hit songs, and who's the most creative at creating hit songs? Well, the self-propelled individual artist that writes a lot of her hit songs would be, I think, a key, key example of that. I think Gaga definitely is one of the biggest, sure. for sure. Uh, and there's other extraordinary creative artists that are equally prolific, maybe not have had the same uh, platform or, or bandwidth, right? Like um, Sia, who's an extraordinary songwriter, like a savant, she's like a savant. Uh, she's also one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I used to think of, of sort of creativity, I think more narrowly, and as I've sort of um, gotten older, I've appreciated that entrepreneurship, even if um, someone isn't necessarily like on the creative side of a business, is quite creative. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's it, back to this issue um, with trying to understand what creativity is. Uh, we're all creative, with, and, and there, the challenge now lays in the need to understand, accept, and embrace each other as creative. Uh, as we have, we're going to get to this uh, the, as we go on, but the, the challenges that AI provides us um, and the, are equivocal to the, the answers AI give us, right? So essentially, the more uh, AI effectively uh, becomes, uh, we offload our cognitive bandwidth to AI, we end up with this deficit, right? Oh, wow, I'm no longer useful as an intellectual thinker, perhaps. Um, you know, it's, uh, the knowledge set in, uh, with, with ChatGPT outperforms uh, any academic at this point, right? And this is, the, this is, this is AI dumb, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, so what's, what's left? What, we, what, we, what do we have as a human uh, contributor, uh, organic contributor to the world? Well, when you, know, you strip all of that away. Exactly, right? So we're, we're early on this, but essentially we're seeing what Te Max Tegler calls uh, the homo sapient, the feeling human being, the, the wise human being, right? Where the uh, traditional day-to-day um, -day is offloaded to uh, AI or algorithmic intelligence, LLM diffusion, et cetera, um, the future versions of that. And we are here with uh, the trees. Uh, nature is our new luxury, and so we must provide and protect that because that's how we, reach, we connect with the world as oneness. Wow. So Claire Silver came on our show. She's an artist, um, a very popular artist, um, some really amazing work. And you know, her story is fascinating where you know, she couldn't um, sort of be outwardly facing the world as much due to a, a disability. Um, you know, and, and she expresses her creativity through AI. And her perspective is that we're moving towards being tastemakers. Would, would you agree with that? I 100% agree with that because that follows that theory of the more human, right? Uh, the more human futurist. And so the more human is the empathic, uh, prefrontal, limbically engaged individual. And that's interesting because that points in the direction of uh, when you're really limbically engaged and you become, you get to these phases of enlightenment, whichever culture you're from, from the east to, to west, um, you end up in the same place, right? You're thinking about each other as one, mm. right? And that is that type of, lenses in which you start seeing the world. And I think that's a positive that can happen with the arbitrage, the exchange of knowledge, um, leveraging AI as your knowledge set, as your, uh, and leveraging the human as a, 
the creative, synthesizing human beings, synthesizing emotions, synthesizing meaning, et cetera, and per the pursuant of the greater human. Got it. Yeah, it, it definitely is a, a shift. And, and do you think that sort of impacts how capitalism will, will exist in the future? Well, if you define capitalism as uh, driving economies uh, based on commodities in this aspect, yes, in this aspect. Because when you think about what we're going to crave is experience, connection, right? You're starting to see that right now. So, so during the Great Depression, we saw this common cliched um, comparison of like, you know, um, the, the market space suffering, therefore there's, there's content uh, that rises to the top, right? People want to forget about. It's not that they're trying to forget. They're trying to reconnect to what's important. It's the unconscious human that's trying to connect with film again, with music. To somehow this enlightened era that AI has given us has also given us enlightened uh, foresight to the future of we're going to crave experience. So as in the sense of commodities and economics, it's shifting to experiential. Look at malls. Look at malls, for example. Sure. It's switching into um, what's that called? What's that game uh, with the with the small racket? Uh, pickleball. Uh, pickleball. Right. Yeah. So you're seeing many examples of that. Co new commodity is going to be experienced. Yeah. Pickleball. People love pickleball. It's a social experience. Yeah. It's, it's 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 much more than just a sport. It's much more. It's community, right? So yeah. low barrier to entry. So you don't have to train. It gives you instant access to to connection, bonding, right? And now what's bonding? Right, bonding is 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 catalyzed with trauma, right? So these little struggles, micro traumas, right, mm. of losing with each other, you know, creates bonds. So as we reflect on this future concept of taste making, it, it makes me wonder what would the world be like if we hadn't commoditized art, and how would that have shaped creativity? Yeah. So let's look quickly at how art was commodified, and art was commodified essentially. Um, Again, there, there are externalities that are not to blame. There's no community to blame, perhaps. There is, though, a, uh, a direction we can see what propagated these uh, to be a commodity, right? So essentially, someone had to make money, you had to buy something, right? And um, over the history, we see a collection of a lot of uh, movement in uh, the church and uh, the monarch system to propagate it as a commodity by creating art, works of art for God, creating works of art for the empires, et cetera. With intention or as more of a subconscious sort of byproduct? 20th century, right? So you have print uh, music, uh, now commodity, formerly uh, the Brill Building. You have uh, the first uh, moving pictures, right? The first recorded medium of music, which is the record. And those became physical commodities uh, that scaled through private capital. Then in the uh, late 20th, earliest 21st century, you have uh, public capital, the advent of public, Universal, Warner Electric Land, Sony, et cetera, these conglomerates who propagated film and propelled the commodity forward at scale through capital markets, right? And around 2003, um, we then devalued by accident the value of this commodity of specifically as a proxy example, music, right, BitTorrent. Yes, of course. Right? Yeah. So immediately my heart was broken because I saw that we are training a new generation by default to value the commodity as free, zero. It was a moment in time that changed the future forever. For everybody. So now what happened? And yeah. way beyond just music. That's right. It's this delicious consumption of all-you-can-eat music 
what happened to the people that make it? We gave them a sports bar. Yeah. yeah, and people that made it, like we're making content. You know, it, the economics were quickly catching up with the 0.01 percenters that were successful. And so they were mildly affected, but the really effect happened to the, the working class, creative class. Which is challenging because I've, I've interviewed a lot of creators and they don't necessarily create for any other reason, but it's inside them and they have to get it out. And right. often it's across many different mediums. Right. Creator, um, you know, my girlfriend, she, she is creative with her plants. She's creative with the food that she makes. She's creative with art. Um, you know, she likes to dance, like ten, this, so, so it's a class of humans that are, I'd say, more creative than average that are all impacted. Oh yeah, so it's back to this point, right? So we brought up meaning, right? So it's the way uh, creatives, uh, you know, let's say they have a predisposition. That means they're born with this innate, intuitive, interoceptive ability to create, right? Like, a, let's call it a hunger, right? And you have, uh, then the majority of society has a um, learned ability to create. Right, as a skill, perhaps, right? right. That's what we talk about, that's what I teach, creativity as a skill specifically, because everyone can learn it. So, so when you have this uh, class of people, the ones that were predisposed to creativity genetically, right? This, it's like um, an athlete having longer limbs, right? Just a predisposition, cognitive predisposition. Basketball players being taller. Yeah, exactly. So this working class, they end up pursuing a life in the arts because they don't have a choice. You see, to them, this is everything. You hear the same story with, and they have these conversations with their parents, and, and they don't understand. Just, they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like uh, I'm trying to breathe, right? It's how yeah. I see the world. It's how I communicate. Yeah. It's so deep within them that if they do anything else, it's like their own prison, and that only leads to one output, which is like not very good. Yeah, right? a toxic and, life. Exactly. So so we have no support mechanism for them, right? So music is a great example. You can see this happening. Uh, so in 2007, these deals were made with Sony Warner Electro Atlantic. I, you know, I was part of that. I was in that circle. And again, my heart was broken because when I saw these blank checks written, you know, I'm not blaming, I'm not, I don't take any sides on this other than I'm emotional. And my heart was broken because I saw these blank checks, right, that were going into a black box that were not going to be distributed equally. How do you distribute equally? I mean, you sign Taylor Swift and uh, you know, uh, she's the top performer of a label. How, how do you distribute? No, it's not her fault either. She's a victimized as well, right? Um, it's systemically and sociologically and economically asymmetrical to create a model that truly benefits the creative class. Now, here's what happens if you don't do that. Your girlfriend, the... Um, mom-pop version of a creative, you know, uh, on Fiverr, um, these individuals that help the world, Taylor Swift, these individuals that help the world see themselves differently are going to diminish because there's no incentive for them to create and generate revenue that allows them to eat and live another day, to buy a house, to, buy, to build a family, right? And that's the heartbreaking part. So, so in a society that was shifting, again, the value proposition, by default, uh, the creative class is being fodder for, for just uh, like fairy dust for these platforms and not against platforms at all. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have to look at the creative class as the future, like Max Tegelock says, the future um, soothsayers of our, our humanity. 
right? And that's the work that I focus on now. So training creatives and sort of educating society on how to integrate creatives into uh, a, a new landscape. So that's right. With that said, and thank you for the work that you're doing, where are we in terms of AI's sort of ability to be creative in terms of where it could be? I mean, there's this conversation I've, 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 I've been a part of with other guests and I've, I've heard panels on this and I'm really curious about your perspective because I think it, it's quite an important uh, understanding in terms of what the road forward is. Has AI become more creative than humans or at least in some regards? Well, it's definitely creating more. It's creating at scale. So let's quickly go back to the mechanics of how creativity works. Creativity, and this is the scary part, creativity is essentially combinatorial and cumulative. Uh, cumulative, I have an accent. Cumulative. So basically combinatorial combining past ideas right, and cumulative, building up over time. So you have combining ideas, build up over time, leads to what we hope is original output, right? So if that's the case, if you break down creative output as those two variables, right, and then it takes the human before AI to synthesize those into something that's called original, well, uh, that's our human thinking. That's what's been from this point in history, from everything from this point in history. You know, we built on the, our output from the backs of great, right, from the geniuses from the past. And now we have access to not only the way these greats did what they did, right, but to everything on the planet that's been unloaded online. And the rest are called illusions that AI comes up with. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So, so, now, so now we get to creativity. If creativity is combinatorial and cumulative, yes, in that definition, AI will definitely outperform us. But there's a caveat to this. If we look at what content truly connects with the human, it's the emotion. Now, how capable is it of making your hair stand up? Maybe out of fear, maybe, but to make you know your whole body like like your body like, yeah. like, so, like so so it's it not, still requires a human. Now we use AI to write music, right? Because it, it helps us fast track the process. But let's not get confused. Everything you heard online that was really good took a human to put it together. And that's still going to require, and, and they say, well, the argument here is when do you lose a human? Well, I think my theory is that throughout history when tech evolved, although this one is different, this inflection point is different, we've always managed to become more enlightened as a society. So my prediction is that we're going to become more nuanced. We're all going to become more creative because the bandwidth we offload is not the creative bandwidth, it's the mundane. And so as we get to training our sensitivity, right? Like, so when you are cooking, you, you, you learn what different types of salt tastes like, right? That's nuance, right? Each type of sugar has a different taste to it. That's nuance. But if you do it every day, um, that's so loud, right? Of course I want to use pink salt with, you know, that's the type of human we're going to become essentially, by default. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that. A, a few thoughts come to mind. One, you know, uh, on occasion, 
Um, my girlfriend and I have been known to battle rap with ChatGPT. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, it, it, it can put together some rhymes, but, but they're vanilla. Uh, at best, right? So, so sort of validation of your point. Like, it's fun, but it, it's not like awe-inspiring content. Um, you know, it, it would need some tweaking from someone. Of course, more creative. So, so you know, we're at dumb AI. We're, so there's three, there's three um, phase transitions in innovation um, and knowledge innovation, and that's um, introduction, uh, 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 then there is adoption, and there's normalization. We're at introduction phase. And this introduction in phase is, I mean, it's going to be here for a while, right? But the challenge here, Liz, is if society does not learn how to prompt effectively, learn um, the behavioral sciences, the humanities, to better articulate how to, how to Machiavellian um, output your way through ChatGPT, it's going to Machiavellian its output to you. Yeah, I mean, it brings on a whole new set of, of jobs and, and whatnot, and um, we could probably have another conversation about that. But uh, before we, we, we wrap on this sort of preview discussion, I'd love to sort of get a sense of where all this is, is going. If we sort of have, um, if we do what you're hoping we do in terms of sort of uh, re-engineering uh, creatives to sort of... Um, coexist in, in a new society, um, what does that world look like? Well, this is, uh, this, I'm going to quote a cliche um, case study, which is incredibly important. Uh, it's only cliche because it's popular, but it's a grant study, the longest longitudinal overtime study um, in the history of, of science. And the grant study ends with studied graduating class from Harvard, I think, or in the 30s, 40s, forget what, and then continued on studying people overtime, longitudinal. And so, and what makes life worth living, basically, is the study. And they interviewed a lot of people at their deathbed. They've interviewed um, presidents, et cetera, on, at the end of their lives, and what makes life meaningful. And the end statement was a one-line poem, and it's, it's scientific, but the, uh, the grant study, basically, ends with, happiness is only the cart, love is the horse. Mm. How powerful is that? The Beatles had it right all along, right? If we are going, if this humanity, if this race of mammals is going to maintain leadership on this planet and other planets, then the super weapon is love. That's the higher being. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's been thoughts about the power of love uh, before, but in the context of this conversation, it landed for me in a different way. Sure. And I now understand it more because essentially this sort of exponential growth of, of technology and, and, and convergence is a forcing function for us sort of getting to the purest form of, of human connection. If, if, yes, well said, if creativity is built on collaboration, then we better learn how to love each other really quickly. You've given me and I think our listeners a lot to, to think about and, and process. I'll be processing for quite some time. Thank you. 
Um, in the meantime, where can folks go to learn more about your work and uh, what you're up to and, and sort of follow along in your journey and sort of learn from, from your, uh, your, your, your teaching? We, we, uh, so I have an institute called the Garibay Institute. And right now it's, uh, it's academic and, and it is also media. So what we do is we partner with um, uh, companies like Angel Studio, uh, companies that are doing good in the world through content. We work with artists that are doing good with content. We believe that as an institute, the ultimate uh, connectivity uh, medium is art. And so we are revaluing the value postulate. We are re-identifying, we are uh, recategorizing. We are bringing out a new value set for the creatives. That is, we're gonna show the world that film and music can tell a different story for a community, unlike any other way possible. Because in the world, you are either reactive or you're proactive. If a community is not react, is not telling their own story, honestly and authentically, society will do it for you. So, so the Garibay Institute. And that, the website? Mm -hmm. GarabayInstitute.com. Great. Thank you so much, Fernando. Thank you. Hello again, everyone. This is Josh Krieger. I'm here at the Future Blockchain Summit live in Dubai with a new friend I've gotten to know over the last few days. Uh, they say Dubai is a small world and I'm beginning to understand what they mean by that. This is the, the one of the sort of leading AI experts in the space, David Orban. Um, David, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So um, we'll give everyone a little bit of your background and the background of Actioneer, which is your newest venture. And I've gotten a chance to sort of learn about it firsthand. We like to break news and this is one of those opportunities we have um, on the show. So David's a seasoned investor, entrepreneur, author and visionary of the global technology landscape, leveraging over two decades of entrepreneurial experience across ventures such as Beyond Enterprises, Singularity Net, certainly something that you all have heard about as well as Network Society Ventures, where he drives innovation and disruption. And Actioneer is his newest venture, which is an AI-powered startup coach driven by Actioneers. And these are proactive agents of change for not only uh, innovate, but also actively implement, scale, and evolve new technologies, methodologies, or frameworks to ensure broad societal impact and continued adoption. So these are all the things we love to talk about. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Wonderful. So um, I guess for, for starting point, maybe just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and sort of why you've been so passionate about emerging technology for all these years. I was part of the team that designed Singularity University 15 years ago uh, at uh, the NASA, NASA Research Park with funding from Google, where we analyze and teach about uh, exponential technology. And uh, I came very um, rapidly to the realization that decentralization is a natural consequence when you cannot precisely predict the trajectory of the evolution of a certain set of technologies and they start to naturally diverge. Uh, centralized approaches can go very efficiently in the wrong direction. But what you want is to test actually what does work and uh, then after the fact, of course, these emerge as the leaders of the new waves. So you mentioned sort of that there's been this, you know, divergence of technology over the last few decades and the power of decentralization. 
However, uh, there's been more conversations on how sort of Web3, AI, augmented reality can all interplay with each other. Is there a convergence happening at this point in time? So there could be, but the reason why it is happening is the wrong set of reasons. You have interoperability and as a consequence, convergence in the ability of the users to take advantage of the wonderful new features that the platform offers uh, if there is true competition. In Web 2.0, there is so little competition that the platforms are now, are now daring to break fundamental paradigms of computer use. For example, in many, you cannot select, copy and paste basic text. How horrifying is that? And we sheepishly accept as if it were the natural way of things. We have to rebel against that kind of domineering uh, situation. That is just one of the reasons why Web3 must thrive and, and win. Now, we are running the same risk in AI where uh, regulators and policymakers are arriving fast to make sure that innovation cannot happen in not sanctioned ways. But uh, it is not yet time to decide uh, what is allowed to be done uh, by the creative forces that uh, are driving these technologies. Uh, and uh, uh, we must uh, really work hard to find uh, the new paradigms. And only after that, we can talk about standardization, regulation, and uh, create a, a global new platform. Makes a lot of sense. So uh, I think you've taken all this into account with your newest sort of venture, Actioneer, which I heard a little bit about, and uh, I'm really excited to share with our audience and sort of unveil to the world. What does the world need to know about Actioneer? As we are recording this, Actioneer is still in stealth mode. So uh, what I am telling you now is, uh, if not secret, you are one of the first Truly to at the about. edge, which yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. since it's the edge of company and we appreciate that. There you go. And by definition, when this uh, airs, it, it won't be. So uh, we believe uh, in the power of the startup model, but we also believe in the evolution of that model. Silicon Valley uh, created uh, incredible opportunities for thousands uh, of entrepreneurs and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. But there are millions uh, out there in the world that never receive uh, the kind of ecosystem support uh, that you can only find really in Silicon Valley. There have been attempts to replicate it all over the world without success. And even accelerators and incubators are proud of how selective they are when they are uh, receiving applications from uh, a thousand startups, but the next cohort is only 20. Now, with AI, what you can achieve is to deliver very high quality advisory, mentorship, coaching services that anyone can take advantage of. And you can really proactively nurture the exploration of each startup project so that they can understand what works as they iterate towards their minimum viable product, product market fit, and whatever milestones they set. Today, uh, we have the 
AI infrastructure in place to create a platform that uh, really brings uh, startup coaching uh, to a new level available to everyone. That's really, that's really exciting. And um, we'll dive into the details, but, but this has been tested, right, uh, already. I mean, you, you've been doing this type of work um, on more of a individual company basis for a while. This is not sort of uh, a new experiment per se. This is something that you've tested and it's working. So uh, a lot of companies uh, recognize the threat of innovation but don't have the courage to embrace it. The most famous example is Kodak inventing the digital camera uh, just to be killed by it and without being able to capitalize on it. They so, were actually down the street from where I grew up. So with uh, uh, Beyond Enterprises, uh, which is a strategic advisory company, uh, we have been helping startups for literally a decade uh, at uh, an engagement model that provides very high quality uh, human powered uh, services uh, at uh, $50,000 per month engagement. And yeah, not everyone can afford it, especially um, pre-seed uh, startups with first time founders. Or, or I would say, you know, international startups where, you know, that, that amount of, of money could be, you know, significantly more than they've raised or, or that they're you know, generating in revenue just based on the local economics, right? We often talk about how uh, AI can 10x the uh, performance and the productivity of developers. Well, I don't think we are ambitious enough. And with Actioneer, we are increasing a thousand times the reach of this high quality coaching by charging $50 a month uh, for the platform rather than 50,000. So, so, I mean, we, we have, uh, we talk about, you know, how AI is sort of advancing project management with, with sort of really creative tools and, and knowledge management, but, but this is different, right? Like we're talking about sort of uh, accelerating that sort of combination of entrepreneurship that, that I've shared a lot on the show and I learned from Lean Startup, which is persistence and curiosity. I, I guess at the heart of that is coachability and, and that's your focus, correct? Uh, ChatGPT and other AI platforms today are a blank slate that really represent kind of a paralyzing uh, obstacle for people who don't even know what are the right questions they should be asking uh, the, the, uh, the chatbot. So Actioneer is proactive. It uh, is able to ingest your uh, half-baked uh, business plan, your unfinished uh, pitch deck, and everything that you try to put together without being able to uh, go uh, over the hump of releasing it to the world, and then starts asking you uh, questions, and then at the end of a session agree with you what you should be concentrating on and then hold you to it next time you sign on. So I got to ask you, I mean, I've had this debate with, with friends over the years. Not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur, right? Like uh, I would, I guess I would argue that, uh, you know, it, it takes a certain level of grit and sort of core, core characteristics. Would you disagree with that statement or do you feel like how do you prevent this type of technology from moving someone along 
where it's it's just sort of the fundamentals of, of being an innovator that, that they're just not ready for that journey yet in life? Or does this sort of get them to that realization faster as well? As every startup uh, action year uh, should and does uh, eat its own dog food, right? So we apply uh, these approaches to the things that we are doing uh, iteratively. And one of the things that the platform is telling us, focus on your MVP and understand what are the features that you want uh, to have right at the start. So we will be definitely coaching the startup founder. And if they find out that this journey is not for them, and agree uh, with our AI that they should be searching for an employment instead, I will think that is a great win because the message that everyone should be an entrepreneur is toxic. Entrepreneurship is hard and uh, if uh, we convince someone who is not up to it to go down that journey, which is lonely uh, and difficult uh, and sometimes uh, heartbreaking, uh, too many people will suffer. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. So basically you're helping entrepreneurs fail fast and, and that may be their venture, but that may also be them learning that they're not meant to be an entrepreneur and they should do something else or support some other entrepreneur in the world. So um, overall, it sounds like some really powerful technology. I'm excited to, to check it out. And um, as a sort of longtime um, fan of Lean Startup. This feels like the new age version of sort of supporting that. I went to a startup boot camp actually uh, before I started my first company and uh, met, uh, you know, uh, met my founder through that process, learned a lot and then decided to move forward. And I just think about what would be possible if this technology was available back then. So I guess that sort of uh, begs the question as a futurist, what do you think what you're doing is going to uh, say to the world around AI, what kind of longer term or broader impact do you see this more proactive AI technology having in terms of what other people do? I want to share with you and uh, with uh, our viewers and listeners uh, another component of the secret sauce of Actioneer as I respond to your question. Because we mentioned coachability and uh, what this generates is a new a data source, a new data feed that early stage investors can leverage in order for the first time to make investment decisions that are not driven by their gut, which is codenamed for spray and pray. Uh, they are going to be able to see, okay, this team is executing on their commitments, is able to listen, is able to iterate and pivot in the right ways it really resonates with me. They deserve to get my investment. However, as you said, in the long term, uh, we will be aiming to really redefine what it means to be a startup, what it means to be an investor, going beyond uh, what are the current limits of the Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road model, uh, which is really able to produce uh, a lot of innovation at a tremendous cost because investors are incentivized making sure that nine out of 10 startups and startup founders literally die trying. I, I've heard a lot of investors say, um, you know, frankly, that once they sort of place their bets, um, they spend the least amount of time 
with the companies that they've worked with that need the most attention because uh, they, they, if they need that much attention, it's probably not working. But in your case, they're gonna have a different challenge on the hand where uh, fundamentally Action is doing the heavy lifting for them and they have all these projects that are progressing, you know, and they have more, more projects to manage in their portfolio, which I think is a good thing. Imagine if uh, everyone could be mentored by Warren Buffett uh, as they go about their investment uh, trajectory. If everyone could have uh, Elon Musk uh, uh, having a conversation about an engineering challenge uh, as they design a new piece of hardware. Uh, the uh, uh, ancient Greeks had the ability to tutor uh, their children by Plato and Aristotle, but of course only the aristocrats and only while those people were living. Uh, the long-term vision is for each of us to thrive through the best support uh, we can get and uh, to be nurtured and to be supported so that we can take advantage of that kind of support. Really exciting stuff. And um, where will people uh, go to uh, to learn more about Actioneer? Actioneer.ai, you can sign up on the wait list uh, and uh, we will be adding you uh, to the platform. Uh, just uh, excited to see what uh, your new startup will build. Sounds pretty exciting. So, um, David, we have a little bit of extra time and I'd love to go through a new segment we have called AI Wants to Know. You up for it? Of course, let's go. All right. So it's time for AI Wants to Know. AI is curious and so are we. So we're going to go through five quick questions designed to uncover the intriguing human mysteries that AI longs to comprehend but can't quite grasp yet. So it's a snack break on our journey. So keep the answers quick, but the safety belt sign is also off. So if it feels right, we can occasionally roam uh, across the cabin, exploring more of who you are and what makes you tick. All right, let's go, David. What's the first thing you ever remember being proud of? My children. Mm. How many? Three. That, that's a lot. Um, and what do you need help with that you wish you didn't? Um, losing weight. Everyone can use a, a trainer for that. Um, so what do others often look to you for help with? Uh, startup advice. I think uh, Actioneer also needs a, a version of you sort of as a mentor. I'm sure that's part of the package. Uh, one of the things that will not be in the MVP is to have a version of me uh, as a named AI, uh, but maybe. That could be the premium model later. Um, and what do you find strangest about reality? Repeat the question, please. What do you find strangest about reality? It is beautiful and uh, Keplerian relativism taught us not to believe that we are living in a special place in a special time, but sometimes you do. And it is almost incredible to think that thousands or even millions of years in the future, people will ask themselves, do they realize how special the time was where they were living? I love that. All right, last question for this segment. If you weren't human, what would you be? I would be a swarm of uh, nanobots being propelled by laser beams uh, by the billions 
exploring the universe and communicating uh, in onion, uh, uh, expanding onion spheres. Uh, and uh, with a diminishing bitrate uh, back to the home planet too, but with the full knowledge that we are free to go our way and uh, the pure joy of understanding is the prize of the voyage itself. I love that. I don't think that would be a duplicate answer ever on this show. So um, thanks for sharing your perspective there. And, you know, thanks for sharing uh, your time with us. Um, before we depart, just looking ahead, um, you know, we talked about the launch and sort of the beta, um, but what's on the horizon after all that for Actioneer and for you? The fundamental question we have in front of us as not only software AI, but hardware AI, humanoid robots are literally coming over the next few years. What will it mean to be human? What will be uh, our ability to design a purpose and the meaning for our lives and create a society that supports us in order to be able to uh, implement that and achieve our goals? Uh, Actioneer is part of that and my purpose uh, is to help as many people discover their own in a large variety of ways of living. Beautiful. So, um, David, where, where do you live that people can find you? Um, uh, is Twitter uh, one of your home bases or LinkedIn? What do you prefer? Yes, uh, I share online uh, uh, very happily and very openly. Uh, if you Google David Orban, you will find me. Don't fall for the scammers. Uh, I verify my accounts in as many ways as I can. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, axe.com slash David Orban. Cool. David, it's been amazing chatting with you today at the Future Blockchain Summit. I'm glad they brought us together and I'm glad we got to know each other and excited for your journey from here. Thank you very much. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. We are live in Dubai at Future Blockchain Summit and I have another very special guest here today, Janet Adams. It's great to have you on the show. Fabulous to be here, Josh. Thank you for inviting me. Hello to all your viewers, watchers, listeners around the world. Absolutely. So uh, Janet's COO of Singularity Net and she leads the AI and blockchain initiatives across multiple vertical angles, including robotics, biotech, gaming, metaverse, media, DeFi, music and art. So you are a renaissance woman, I would say. And um, with that team, she launched the first humanoid robot fronted band, the Jam Galaxy Band at the NAM Festival in LA in June 2022. I've been to NAM; it's a really fun event as well. She's co-founder of Conito Protocol, an algorithm tracer coin uh, in Rejuve, biotech building AI driven therapeutics for longevity and age related diseases. Is there anything you don't do, Janet? How do you sleep? That's a really good question. Let's see, music, art, entertainment, metaverse. I don't sleep very much. I have a very, very active, creative, visionary boss, Dr. Ben Goetzel. Do you, you've come across Dr. Of ben course, Goetzel. of course. He's my boss, visionary founder of SingularityNet. And because I tend to be in Europe or the Middle East and he's in the US, he comes on stream later than I do. So no, I don't sleep at all. But I imagine you guys have some fun technology used to not have to sleep, right? Like, is, is there a lot of biohacking going on? I'm hoping those days will come on Ruju project, which is a longevity yeah. project, working on taking what we can learn from long-lived Methuselah flies 
and applying that to the human genome to extend and find all new therapeutics for longevity. So perhaps somewhere there, I can give them a, an assignment. Please, please uh, reduce our sleep requirements uh, for well, us well, humans. Pass it on to me. This aura ring only does so much. But, yeah, yeah, it's good though. But yeah, it's really fun. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, you know a really important topic, which is enterprise use cases for AI. You know, I, I hear every day about new emerging tech companies and bigger companies trying to support enterprises and sort of getting the most out of AI. Are we there yet? Is this sort of technology accessible, impactful in, in corporate life? Okay, so here we have to talk about error tolerance. So by error tolerance, I mean, how much can you afford for an algorithm or an AI application to do something really stupid? and really mess up. Yeah, what's the standard deviation of acceptability, right? E exactly, so in any low error tolerance use case, and here we're talking about financial services, we're talking about medical, we're talking about anything healthcare, anything life, to do with children, life, finance, yeah. education, anything that might impact people by having a materially incorrect answer produced Safety. from a large language model. Yeah. Safety, anywhere where there's a low error tolerance, these large language models, as they're currently constructed, can't be effectively deployed. And that's because they're based on deep neural networks. And deep neural networks is a really powerful form of artificial intelligence. And it's the form of artificial intelligence which is driving most of the economic value in the world today. DNNs is what you use when you put your passport in the automated passport gates and it's matching your face to your passport. Yep. It's what Google used to serve ads to us, it's what Facebook is, what Amazon all used to serve advertising. It predicts very, very accurately, statistically, what is the next most likely output. So what's the most likely product for you to buy? Or is, is, is your face likely to match your passport? But what they can't do is check, are they right or are they wrong? And so they simply hallucinate at times they can egregiously, completely, ridiculously hallucinate. My favorite example was ChatGPT hallucinated that Ben Goetzel, Dr. Ben Goetzel, was one of its makers. Now, okay. he very clearly wasn't. He's never had anything to do with wishful it. Wishful thinking. I, wishful thinking. And all of our robots, for example, are humanoid robots. They all know who makes them. It's, it's, it's a very simple uh, fact. So they have no facts. They're not grounded in any form of knowledge. And that's a really problematic issue for organizations and enterprises. My, let's say you get 93% accuracy from a, from a large language model, somewhere in that region. It'll be somewhere between 90 and 95, let's say. Yeah. That sounds great, right? If you got 93% in an exam, you'd be really pleased with yourself. But the problem is that 7% error rate can be absolutely fatal. If you're, a bag, if you're an airline and someone's called up to find out where their bags are and you tell them their bags are in Georgia when they're actually in Pakistan, for example, they could head to that wrong airport and, and, and you know, really make a mess of their, their, their baggage claim. Or if you're in financial services and somebody wanted to know what's the best product to buy and you recommend them the completely wrong product, yeah. you're in big trouble with the regulators. You know, I, I, I recently had a conversation with a professor about the challenge of self-driving cars right now and, and where they are. So, 
So I guess like what how far away are we from from being able to have like closer to a 98 or 99 percent accuracy? So with really high error tolerance, uh, really, really low error tolerance use cases. We need that to be 100%. Yeah. There are regulated industries, me medical, well, I just, I want, I 99, 90, 99 we can creep I mean, towards. We, we, can, we can do some cool things at that point, not everything. We but, can do some cool things. But I mean, it certainly reduces the amount of quality control required versus 93. You know, I was in the food industry and, and, yeah. and that's a lot more work to deal with that sort of deviation. Indeed, indeed. And every single gain brings a huge productivity gain and a huge usefulness 100%. gain. But what we're working on at SingularityNet, with a project we've based here in Dubai, due to its outstanding commitment to innovation, is a project we've called Zarka. And Zarka is building smart, knowledge-grounded, neural-symbolic, hybrid large language models. That's the next step, and it's a breakthrough step. It will come sometime in the next... 12 to 18 months, I predict, the first really smart, powerful, hybrid, large language models will be, will be developed and will be released. And what they will have, which today's large language models don't have, is a much more complex architecture, just for a start, but an architecture where the large language models are grounded in a knowledge base, grounded in facts, and they can check their facts and not spout spurious outcomes and also we can introduce probabilistic reasoning into the model so at the moment it just spits out a, a statistical outcome a statistical answer answer but if we inject that with other ai techniques that give it reasoning capability we can make it actually genuinely creative but we can make it factually accurate to a hundred percent to to the degree that it can actually finally fulfill the promise of AI and enterprise, which to date just is not being fulfilled. Uh, that's really exciting. And, you know, uh, it's sort of like layers of auditing um, sort of in compliance kind of built into exactly. the themselves. So, so I guess the, um, the related question, I know this is a big one to unpack. We'll have to have a longer conversation uh, over drinks or, or coffee later, but, but are we at Singularity? I mean, your guys are called Singularity Net, right? Um, you know, are we at that point or are we at that point in some regards and not other regards? Well, it depends how far you zoom out in your time scale. Certainly in, you know, uh, in the fossil record, I think this will probably be the designated the age of the Singularity. It is absolutely right upon us. Is it right here this moment, that moment where computers are smarter than humans? By most measures and standards, probably not. In individual tasks, yes, computers can outperform humans. But generally speaking, at the moment, today's artificial intelligence has no ability to domain shift, to take knowledge learned in one domain and apply it to another domain. So it has no ability to generalize its information. Well, let's get specific for a moment. Um, there's a lot of conversations with artists that feel like, actually I've had artists tell me that the sculptures that AI is producing are better than their own already. And I've also had a lot of writers and, and producers that feel like in five years, you know, writing a, a, a script by, by hand is gonna be something you do by candlelight, you know, in the woods on a, on a rare sort of, you know, ayahuasca like, retreat. Like, like, like writing a, a letter to someone and sending them the mail. That's where we're gonna be in five years. So. 
I guess the other examples in the arts and entertainment realm and maybe some other realms where the creativity that AI offers is significantly beyond human capacity. I think that is a interesting and slightly bleak outlook from, from your artist friends. I was in a, at a conference, running a conference in New York last week at, as part of Mondo NYC on music. And we had a panel debate as to, is AI music as emotionally resonant as mm. human generated music? And the plan, panel was actually split. Two of them said it, it, it can be. And two of us, I was on the side that said, you know, the raw human emotion and experiences that humans express through their music that captures that captures you that affects your soul will that ever come from artificial intelligence and nobody really knows the answer to that right now so yes i think there's a very high probability that within five years ai will have overtaken huge percentage of of the world's jobs including anything that is to do with uh, producing text, producing output, producing art, producing, um, producing, generating output. But will it ever have the same level of genius and brilliance that humans can portray and that humans do do create? You know, will there ever be a life on Mars? Say from David Bowie. Will there ever be a a Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Remains to be seen. But what is absolutely certain is that, that functional scripts, so scripts for advertising, for example, absolutely, there probably won't be a human hand on those because they will know what are the triggers to a personalized audience that will sell the product more effectively. So any form of functional writing, I think, and functional generation of, of whether it's functional music, the kind of music you hear in an elevator, whether it's... Um, uh, marketing output for 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 mailing and, and all all, the, all this kind of basic functional work. I'm, I'm certain within five years will be largely AI generated. Fair enough. Well, you've given us so much to think about, and I'd love to continue this conversation later. But where can folks go to learn more about you and Singularity? Come Net? to singularitynet.io is our website. Follow us on Twitter, Telegram, Discord, LinkedIn, and. Instagram. And Google you and a lot of fun stuff. And Google up. Janet Adams, Singularity Net, and we are doing huge amounts of fun stuff. Josh, thank you so much for having me here My today. Pleasure, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet your audience. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. 
Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice.